Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. Coverage of the conference finals here at Hoops Tonight is brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? We are also live on AMP. So if you're listening on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. Well, the Denver Nuggets have gone up 2-0 on the Los Angeles Lakers, putting them in a very precarious position. It's going to be very difficult for the Lakers to win four out of the next five games. So the Nuggets are in a commanding position. So congratulations to Nuggets fans. You're in good shape potentially for a run to the NBA Finals. The series is not over. Going to get into a lot of stuff. But man, you got to be feeling pretty good if you're in Denver right now. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget... You can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. Last but not least, you guys have heard me talk about Game Time, the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. If you're looking to get out to an NBA game, um, if you're looking to get out to a baseball game or a concert or a comedy show, Game Time has amazing last-minute deals on tickets to all of these. So if you're trying to get out and see your favorite artists perform in a concert, Game Time's got a deal for you. If you want to get out, if you're a Nuggets fan, you want to get out to Game 5, Game Time's going to have a deal for you. They've taken amazing care of me in the past. I know they're going to take amazing care of you guys. I highly recommend you try it. So no matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download the GameTime app, enter email, and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, enter email and code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. So 
what I'd like to do as we kind of work through this, I'm not going to go too heavy into the X's and O's tonight. We're going to talk a couple of things uh, um, specifically with the success that Jamal Murray was having at the end of the game. Um, but obviously, like any other fan, as you guys know, I'm rooting for the Lakers in this series. They're my one rooting interest. I was very invested in what was a highly entertaining basketball game. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to rewatch the game in its entirety and do a more detailed X's and O's breakdown um, uh, in the morning. Also for you, Eastern conference finals, uh, uh, people interested in that series. I'm going to do a little film breakdown on that as well, but let's start with the battle of the big. So I thought this was a great example of the difference between Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis. Now, remember with the way that I view best player in the world conversations, it's very different than the way a lot of other people view them. Like for me, it's kind of like a, uh, a status symbol that you earn as a sign of respect. Right. And so I kind of was leaning towards Anthony Davis after the Golden State Warriors series because, one, he had just outplayed Steph Curry, who I thought was the second best player in the world, and Giannis Antetokounmpo had kind of removed himself from the discussion. And um, I thought he outplayed him mainly on the defensive end of the floor, and he's a champion. I thought he played at a superstar level in the 2020 playoffs, including outplaying Nikola Jokic head-to-head, albeit three years ago. And I thought he kind of deserved that title for now. Nikola Jokic can absolutely grab it, but for me, you got to have the trophy. And so... Um, that's just kind of like my recognition of the way that I refer to the best player in the world, right? But in terms of like who's a better basketball player in this series, I mean, it's screaming off the screen through two games. And I thought it was evident in them both having kind of down games, you know? And this is a great example of why I hate looking at box scores. Because if you look at Anthony Davis's box score from game one, he had 40 points and 10 rebounds. And... I thought he was so disengaged on the defensive end compared to what he's capable of and on the glass, and especially in transition defense, that I didn't think it was one of his best games. And this one kind of followed more what you would expect from the box score. This was a bad Anthony Davis game. He competed defensively at a higher level um, than he did in the first game. He competed on the glass at a higher level than he did in the first game, but not to any sort of uh, uh, amazing extent. You don't leave this game thinking Anthony Davis is the overwhelming defensive force that you felt many times during the Golden State series and during the Memphis Grizzlies series. And he goes four for 15 from the field. Um, he has 14 rebounds. That's where the rebounding effort showed up. But he had four turnovers, including two pivotal turnovers in the fourth quarter that both led to Nuggets runouts. And he just gave you absolutely nothing on the offensive end. And, you know, again, like there's... It's been overstated, the Anthony Davis up and down thing, because he tends to be pretty damn good defensively night in and night out for the most part. And so it's unfair to be like, oh, Anthony Davis had 16. He was garbage tonight. It's like, eh, well, did he anchor your defense as you got a win, like game six against Memphis? Then, yeah, that's actually a pretty damn good game. But there, all of the coverage of Anthony Davis and his offensive struggles going up and down are legitimate. Like, the dude just, for whatever reason, one game he's super polished with those little push shots and hook shots in the lane. And then the next game, he just can't make them. And he got great looks in the paint in this game. And he just couldn't make them. And it becomes a problem because with the way that Denver runs their pick and roll coverage, and, and they kind of tweaked it at various points in this game. Like they've been coming with a high drop for the most part through uh, three halves of the series. And then they sat him way back to start the, uh, the uh, a little bit in game two. But then they started bringing him way back up to the level of the screen again, a little bit there in that fourth quarter. But either way, the pocket pass is what's open there. And so it's like absolutely vitally important to the Laker offense for Anthony Davis 
to be making those little floaters and pop shots in the lane. It's it's just it's an important part of the chain of the Laker offense as a virtue of the coverage. Remember, the coverage dictates the way you have to attack. When teams run drop, you need to have guys that can either hit pull-up jump shots or apply pressure on the rim or make shots in the pocket or hit the shots on the kick out when they tag the roller, right? When they're switching, it's much more about mismatch hunting and you've got to be able to back a guy down closer to the rim or beat him off the dribble or, or, or consistently shoot over the top. Like that, the In this particular coverage that Denver is running, bad Anthony Davis games are going to be absolutely devastating to the Laker offense. And now we look at the Jokic game, which I also thought was by Jokic's standards, not his best. Um, He's been pretty bad defensively in the entire series. The Lakers have mostly had their way with him in his pick and roll coverage, Uh, but he was otherworldly great in the, in game one. And also I want to give him a little bit more credit defensively. A huge part of closing out defensive possessions is grabbing defensive rebounds. And, and obviously he's done a great job controlling the defensive glass throughout this series. But with Nikola Jokic, like his bad game is nine for 21 from the field, still made a bunch of shots when his team needed him to still made a bunch of those little hook shots and push shots and floaters and, and ones, um, still got to the foul line, still crashed the offensive glass, still controlled the defensive glass and had 12 assists. And that's the difference is with Nikola Jokic, he's a little bit more resilient when it comes to the ups and downs that take place over the course of an NBA playoff series. And that's the thing. Like, what did I say coming out of game two or coming out of game one in my film session? I said, I actually thought effort played a role for both teams. I thought the Lakers really mailed in the first half and never really truly gained control of the game defensively until the last six minutes. And then... When I went back and rewatched the game, I thought Denver was really, really sloppy defensively in the second half of that game, where I thought they let go of the rope, so to speak. So effort was such a huge role in that first game, in the Lakers struggling so much early and the Nuggets struggling so much late. And so I said I expected this to be much more low scoring, and I expected both teams to shoot in the mid-40s. Well, LA shot 44% from the field, and the Nuggets shot 44% from the field. Honestly, the difference in the game, I said both teams would shoot in the mid-30s from three, and the Lakers would win close. Well, the Nuggets shot in the mid-30s from three, and the Lakers shot in the mid-20s from three. And that really is the difference in the game. If the Lakers were going to win this game, they needed to knock down a couple more of those threes. They needed LeBron to go two for six in instead of 0 for 6. I needed D'Angelo Russell to go 2 for 5 instead of 1 for 5. And so that's kind of the difference in the game. And, you know, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Laker effort stuff later, but that's just the reality of their predicament in the series. Denver is better than Golden State and is better than Memphis, specifically when it comes to offensive firepower. And so you really held them under your thumb for three quarters for the most part. I'll say two and two-thirds of a quarter because that late quarter run for the Nuggets. But they have so much firepower that they are capable of beating you even when you throw your best punch. That's the difference. This is not a series where the Lakers can go up and down with their effort level in that same cadence that they did in the first two rounds. You know, in game one, I thought the Lakers kind of punted it. Game two, the Lakers gave you everything they got, and it still wasn't enough because Jamal Murray caught fire at the end of the game. And that's absolutely a risk. So there are, what, five games left in this series. And even if the Lakers do throw five great punches, they might only win. They need to win four of those. But they have a chance to lose those games anyway because of the sheer amount of firepower that Denver has. That's the difference, as LeBron said at every round, 
each test gets a little bit harder, right? Like after Memphis, he goes, this next one's going to be harder. Well, they said, he said that right after the Warrior Series, like this one's going to be harder. Well, you're learning that in real time with how good this Denver Nuggets team is. So I want to talk about Jamal Murray. So I talked a lot about uh, in the series preview, I believe, about his the way he's a complimentary star to Nikola Jokic. And uh, actually, I think it was after game six against Phoenix. But um, that's the reality of, of the way that this partnership works. It's very similar to the LeBron James and Anthony Davis partnership, where what makes it work offensively is they kind of play complementary parts. You need two pieces to a strong pick and roll attack, and both of them can fulfill really both ends of that role. They can even run inverted stuff. And the same goes for Murray and Jokic is, you know, uh, they did a, the Lakers just did a much better job of, you know, on the on the, the the pocket pass to Nikola Jokic of having LeBron come off of Aaron Gordon and tag Jokic quickly and Anthony Davis running back to Aaron Gordon. The Lakers were so sharp on the backside of their defense. But here's the thing, and this is another part of what makes Nikola Jokic so damn good. He's an incredible screener. He's one of the best screeners in the game. And so how did the Nuggets get off at the end of the game? They stopped going to the damn pocket pass, and Jamal Murray started coming off of those dribble handoffs looking to shoot. And again, the, you held him down. I think, it, what was he, 5 for 17 through, through three quarters, I believe, or, or something. I can't remember the exact number, but he didn't shoot well for three quarters. But he broke away in that fourth quarter. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of complimentary stars. So the Lakers are throwing the kitchen sink at the Jokic part of that dribble handoff and off the, uh, of that pick and roll, right? Like they're tagging him on the roll. They're helping off the weak side and rotating their uh, LeBron. I thought did an amazing job defending Jokic for portions of this game. And that's something the Lakers are going to have to explore more over the course of the series. But against the truly elite guys, you have to concede something. And if Anthony Davis is going to sag back on the roll, or if LeBron James and Rui Hachimura are going to stay glued to Nikola Jokic, then you need the guard to chase over the top of those actions and apply pressure to Jamal Murray. And they just didn't. And they tried a bunch of different things too. Um, uh, eventually they tried an Anthony Davis switch on Jamal Murray. And I, I called this out in the moment, but there were three seconds left on the shot clock and Anthony Davis is playing back conceding a jump shot to Jamal Murray and kudos to Jamal Murray hit him with a hard step back and knocked it down and on the AD front like that's the thing dude you're not bringing anything to the table offensively you have to be perfect defensively to help your team that needs to be your competitive response to the fact that your shot's not falling and in a pivotal possession of the game you conceded a step back jump shot to a hot shooter and from there it just didn't matter and and I mean I've talked about this a lot with uh uh, with skill development when we talk about it on the show, but with, with pull-up jump shooting in particular, when you get to your muscle memory, it's over, really, once you're in rhythm. And you can get disrupted uh, from your rhythm in a bunch of different ways, but a lot of all these guys, Jamal Murray is just one one guy in a long line of guards in this league where when they really got it going, it just doesn't matter what you do. As long as they get just a fraction of se uh, separation, they've just worked so hard over the years on these complicated off-the-dribble jump shots that they just you're helpless. And so that's the thing. And that's the beauty of, of both of these teams in a lot of ways is they just have so many different ways they can beat you, right? Like any given game, Austin Reeves can go for 25. He's gone for 20 plus five times in this playoff run. You know, D'Angelo Russell has given the Lakers over 30 in a game, but the Nuggets can do the same thing. You know, Jokic can kill you one game. Jamal Murray can kill you one game. You have the the Michael Porter Jr. factor in any given moment. Contavious Caldwell Pope had his season high in, in field goals made, I, if I remember correctly, in, in game one. So, like, both of these teams have way too much firepower 
uh, for any team to get away with laziness. And so I thought game one was a lazy game for both teams that the Nuggets ended up winning. And I thought game two was both teams threw their best punch and the Nuggets were just better. And, uh, you know, and again, like, I, like we'll talk about it when we get to the Lakers, but they just, LeBron James in particular, I thought really got fatigued down the stretch of that game. But shout out to Jamal Murray, man. Like that's, we always talk about the 2-1-1 theory, right? You need two games from your best player. You need one game from your second best player. And you need one game from your role players to win the series. Well, you got a Jokic game. He was best player on the floor by a mile in game one, dominates. Well, you just got your Jamal Murray game. If Jokic gets you one more and you have another game where all your role players get hot, that's the series right there. So Jamal Murray, game two of the 2023 Western Conference Finals will be referred to as the Jamal Murray game looking forward. Um uh, let's talk about uh, a couple of the guys on the Nuggets I wanted to shout out. I thought Bruce Brown was awesome throughout this game, particularly on the defensive end. He was uh, applying a lot of pressure to LeBron James over the course of the game. I thought that was a big part of the fatigue element that led to LeBron missing some of those threes in the fourth quarter. He also hit two massive threes in the third quarter in transition. You know, he, you could tell what, what I really appreciate about Bruce Brown's game is he's got kind of a slow release, and it's definitely not exactly a... Um, a fluid shot. It's very rigid and has a little bit of a hitch in it, but to his credit, he's got great muscle memory. Every Bruce Brown three looks exactly the same. And you could see when he really has the space and can load up into his form and trust his muscle memory, that thing's going in. And he made two massive ones. Michael Porter Jr. Made a huge three during that run um, in transition. It was, it, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by the nuggets. Like I said, if you're a nuggets fan, I, Congrats to you guys. You've got a great team and you're in great shape. Uh, and uh, man, I'm, I'm blown away um, by the offensive firepower. Because like, again, the Laker defense is real. You saw that in that first half, held them down to 48. But the sign of a truly great offense is that they can always push through even against the truly great defenses. And there you go. They go for what's that uh, 50, 60, 60 points in the second half. So there you go. Difference in the game. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Laker effort. So again, the Lakers followed a very similar cadence over the first two series. They threw the kitchen sink in game one, won the game, punted game two, threw the kitchen sink in game three, blew them out, both series. Uh, kind of tried to do the bare minimum bare minimum to win game four in both series, barely won both games. Then they punted game five, and then they threw the kitchen sink in game six and won. And again, those are teams that, again, and I, I actually think the, the Warriors in particular are very good, but I think this Nuggets team is probably better than any team that was in the Western Conference in last year's playoff run. And so, again, this is the, the way that competition steps up as things progress. And, and in this particular series, even when the Lakers throw their best punch, as you saw tonight, they're not going to be able to overcome every single time. And so what that tells me is that strategy of mailing it in is going to end this series quickly. If they mail in one of those two games in, in, in LA, this series can be over in five. And, and again, they have to win four of the next five games. And the only chance that they do that is if they bring hellacious effort in all five games, simply because they're probably going to lose one of those anyway. And again, the series is not over. I'm never going to count out LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron James multiple times in his career has come back from down 2-0 to win a playoff series. He did it against the Warriors in 2016. He did it against the Pistons in 2007. He's done it before. But this is this is a different phase in his career. And him and Anthony Davis just haven't quite been good enough. 
And that's a big part of why they're down 2-0. But in order for them to win this series, the two of those guys are going to have to be a lot better. Now, LeBron James in particular, I, I actually thought this was one of his better two-way playoff games. He was pretty rough defensively in his first shift. He got beat on a back cut by Aaron Gordon. There was a switch with Anthony Davis where he's supposed to run down to the rim with Nikola Jokic, and he didn't. He just conceded the shot to Nikola Jokic. But when he came back in, in the second quarter, end of the first quarter uh, for his second shift, he was incredible. Defended Nikola Jokic, was uh, cooking in high pick and roll, controlled everything for them offensively while they were getting absolutely nothing anywhere else on the roster. I thought it was one of LeBron's best two-way playoff games. But here's the problem. At this phase in his career, he just doesn't have the gas tank that he used to have. And he didn't get anything from anybody else. And so when he got to the fourth quarter, the legs weren't there. Start settling for threes. And LeBron's having one of those postseasons like 2015 where he's just, for whatever reason, just can't get it going with the jump shot. And it, it reminds me so much of 2015 because there are these moments for a game or two where you see it come through, but just it just this slump just never ends for him. And those were pretty damn good looks there in that fourth quarter, but they're concession shots because he's tired. Like he's just like, I need to just throw this up essentially as a punt and hopefully I make one or two of them and he made zero of them. Uh, but I'm not going to get too down on LeBron because I thought he was the best player on the floor for the Lakers tonight and actually was the best player on the floor in the game through three quarters. He just just didn't bring enough in that fourth quarter. Anthony Davis, again, like we talked about earlier, when he has these bad offensive games specifically against the Nuggets, it's just going to be super detrimental to their offense. But again, when that's happening, he needs to dominate the game defensively, and I didn't think he brought enough defensively in this game to make up for what he did offensively. couple... Uh, three adjustments that I wrote down for the Lakers. And again, I'm going to uh, uh, do a film session tomorrow morning for both teams, well, both series of so four teams, and kind of go over adjustments for everybody. But things that stood out for me in the live watching, um, with that Murray dribble handoff, it's time for them to go to what they did in the 2020 bubble, which is put LeBron James on, uh, on Jamal Murray and put Anthony Davis on Nikola Jokic and switch the handoff. Or if you're going to put Ruby Hachimura on Nikola Jokic, still put LeBron James on Jamal Murray and switch the dribble handoff. That's basically what they did in the 2020 playoffs, which led to Jamal Murray going for ISOs, where at least at the very at, at least in ISOs, he's got to generate separation rather than getting separation naturally as part of the coverage because of how good of a screener Nikola Jokic is. So that's a an adjustment I expect the Lakers to make. Got to stop sending Anthony Davis to the offensive glass. Now, if you want to see an example of what I'm talking about, you'll see it in the um, you'll see it in uh, on my Twitter feed. I actually tweeted out a uh, um, a video that kind of demonstrated an example of what I'm talking about. Anthony Davis crashed the offensive glass all night and had one offensive rebound. Why? Because Nikola Jokic, for uh, for as bad as he is defensively, is a fantastic defensive rebounder. And so he's not getting any advantage there. And what's happening is the Lakers are sending two forwards every single possession to the offensive glass, and the Nuggets are running on them. And so the play that, that you'll see, uh, there's a uh, Austin Reeves pick and roll, if I remember correctly, and Austin throws a great cross-court pass to, D- to D'Angelo Russell. He takes a three and misses it. But both Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis crash the offensive glass and miss. If you freeze frame it, when Jokic gets the rebound, both of those two guys are the furthest back, and there's five on three going the other way. And to Vanderbilt and AD's credit, they sprinted back, but it just they weren't back in time, and Michael Porter Jr. ends up getting a corner three. So at a certain point, when you, ex- when you acknowledge the fact that the Lakers are actually getting a ton of stops in the half court against the Nuggets— and Jamal Murray just got hot with a bunch of difficult shot making in that fourth quarter. 
you're going to win the series if you can keep them in the half court and trust the shot result with Jamal Murray, right? As long as they bring the right amount of effort. But the Nuggets are thrashing them in transition. At a certain point, you have to make an adjustment and stop sending guys to the offensive glass. That's that's an adjustment I expect. And the D'Angelo Russell, this is two games now where he's looked pretty much unplayable. I uh, He's getting into it with Bruce Brown and clearly letting it affect him. He's dying on screens. He's not c- competing on the glass. He's not hitting shots. Like, again, with D'Angelo Russell, if he's not hitting shots, he doesn't bring enough to the table to justify having him out there. That's where you're almost better off going with a Troy Brown Jr., even though... Yeah, uh, he has his own limitations. At least he's going to compete defensively and on the glass. And so uh, it might be time to go away from D'Angelo Russell. Um, I I would try him in game three, just in hope that the home court energy kind of uh, brings a certain level to D'Lo that he can be impactful. But you need to have a quick leash with D'Angelo Russell and, and take him out of the game if it's not working well. Looking forward, um, I do believe the Lakers will win game three. But obviously, this Nuggets team is so good that they have a very good chance of stealing one of the two games in L.A. And no matter what, it's extremely difficult to beat a team three times in a row. So if the Lakers win both home games, it's just so difficult to then go on the road and beat the Nuggets. Just ask the Phoenix Suns. That's why when you go down 2-0 in a series, you lose almost every time. It's not over. They have a chance. But they've dug themselves in a significant hole. The, the, uh, the Nuggets should feel like significant favorites. They have a fantastic chance to win the series. Like I said... The Nugget, if you're a Nuggets fan, you should feel like you're in great shape. Um, don't forget tomorrow morning. I Keep an eye on the feed. It should be up around like uh, you know 11 noon or so uh, Pacific Standard Time, but I'll have a film breakdown from this game. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys, and I will see you next time. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.